Welcome back, Beth and Chelsea, episode five. Hey, hey, hey. What's happening, everyone? We want to um, thank everyone for listening last week. And um, we are going to to jump into this one pretty quick, but we want to let you guys know that we are going to give away a $50 Amazon gift card. Uh, if you like, share, and comment on our podcast, um, you will go into a drawing and then we'll announce the winner next week um, for a $50 Amazon gift card. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting. So, um, yeah, make sure you like, share, and comment. Give us a five-star rating, all the things. So, we're going to jump into this. We hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode, and episode five is going to be exciting, too. So, um, catch up? What yeah. do we do? Let's catch up a little bit. Yeah, let's catch up for this last week. Okay, so you tell me what you guys did. You had... You had a dance competition or no? No. Well, so Paisley performed yeah. at um, the Potawatomi Fire basketball game. Okay. Which is in Shawnee. That is was that like a... Super fun. It's like right below an NBA. Like minor, is that minor league? Minor league basketball. basketball? I guess okay. if that's a thing. Yeah. Um. So... So we did that... We had a cookout with our neighbors. That was fun. Mm -hmm. And just some privates at the studio and nothing super crazy. We're competing this weekend. So that's, we're kind of ramping up. We had a weekend off. And it's here in Tulsa, right? It is. Yeah. That's so fun. It's, where is it at in Tulsa? At the Cox. At the Cox. Yeah. So if you're in Tulsa and you you (laughs) want something to do. You need me to sign, sign your (laughs) t-shirt or something. So we're famous. Yeah, exactly. We should start getting some merch out there uh, for everyone. Um, Yeah, so Cox Cox Convention Center, downtown Tulsa, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? Only if you really like me. Come looking for me if you don't. (laughs) All right. I love it. Beth is sharing too much information right now. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) That's where uh, she won't be this weekend. Yeah. well, fun. It sounds like Paisley had a good, good time at her. Yeah, she loved it. She had a great time. Yeah, it was super fun for her. So, is that like okay? So she's on the dance team. For she's them, on the hip hop crew. Hip hop crew. Okay. Yeah. They right. they um, auditioned for three teams. Okay. It was like a little, like a tiny, I don't know, eight and younger, fun little okay. cute squad, a hip hop team, and then of course the older girls that are like the sex appeal for oh the basketball game okay yeah okay nice yeah <laughs> sex appeal oh my gosh well i mean that's yeah, what I it know, is I know. it sells I know. that's what it is it yeah. sells helps that's, out that's so true well sounds like you guys had a good weekend uh we had an eventful weekend um as you know um so gosh friday we took our oldest to a horse camp and um dropped her off and then uh saturday we had my youngest first soccer game and while like before the soccer game we got a phone call that my oldest had gotten bucked off a horse and so we were under the impression that it wasn't like a big deal that she just like fell you know fell and her arm was sore and all this 
So she wanted to stay. So we agreed, you know, she could stay because this was her like first sleepaway camp. Which my almost teenager would never do. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of shocking that she actually did because she's not one to, to venture too far from home. Um, but we were, you know, we've, we've kind of been pushing her a little bit to get out of her comfort zone, which hindsight is like, why would we do that? Um, but so Sunday or Saturday night, we had a, um, kind of early birthday party for my husband who will be turning 41 that we're sad um, on the 31st. And that, yep, Chelsea and uh, gang did not make it. Um, so, but it was a lot of fun with his friends. And, um, you know, I think his coworker came. So it was a lot of fun. Watched some March Madness. All of his friends all went to high school together. They, some of them married like people from his high school. So, you know, when they get together, as I joked with him today, you talk about like Mrs. Wallace from first grade. And sometimes, you know, the outsiders don't really know who Mrs. Wallace is from first grade and the sure. craziness that you guys got into. She's probably related to me. Yeah, she probably is. <laughs> and he actually laughed at me and said, that was a high school teacher, not a first grade teacher. So I was like, okay. So, um, so we went and picked up our oldest on Sunday and found out that she has a broken collarbone and a broken arm. So we have been getting her so much up is a lot, is a lot that's happened this week. And honestly, I just like felt like, you know, we, uh, you got been, through it. We got through it. It's been a little bit of a twilight zone almost, I've, you know, so really tired. Both my kids have been sleeping in my room and oh. I'm just kind of ready for both of them to go back to their rooms. And, you know, I mean, I want her to feel comfortable, but it's just challenging. So <laughs> anyway, so here we are and we're going to talk about challenging times. We are going to talk about challenging times. So you know, we kind of we we kind of gave a little bit of a tease on our last podcast about what the episode was going to be about this week, and we're going to first talk about conflict because oh, yeah. Um, yeah. that was something we were worth addressing the conflict. Yeah. If the worst if the worst possible thing would happen, can I handle it? Out of me addressing the conflict. And I probably take that, you know, theory or method on with people outside of business too, because I don't know, it's so much energy and how people respond to me affects me and not only me, but like people around me who I'm interacting with that day, just my overall being empathy, I guess it just affects me a ton. So I kind of, um, there's not a lot of things that are worth it. So for me, um, I'm, I'm probably a dodge and weave type of conflict dealer, you know, if I can get around it, crack a joke, bring some humor into bring it. some yeah. humor. I mean, if it, if it has something to do with my kids, I probably will address it. If it, yeah, other than that, you know, I don't really probably say much um lucky for me i I surround myself with people who are willing to address things (laughs) and so i go ahead and let them do what they're best at so like here's a question then do you ever walk away from a situation and feel like i wish i would have said something 
and then do you go back and and then do you go back and address it but then you're like it's like after the fact and you've already lost the moment and then you have to more often than not I think I've had moments where I wish I wouldn't have said something Mm, than if I did say that I Mm, you know then the opposite so it's like sometimes I wish I would say something but I've kind of I'm kind of over you know, I feel like there was a time in my life where I felt like I needed to teach everybody a lesson and I'm really past that. Yeah. You know, okay. I don't need to teach lessons to people, especially grown adults. Usually right. karma teaches them those. <laughs> karma takes care of itself, you know? Yeah. That's so karma. the lessons, um, the lessons era for me is over. So, you know, more often than not, it just doesn't bother me to not say things, um, yeah. Now I think okay. So I like your approach because I, I I like what you said about um it takes up too much energy mm-hmm. to like you know really address conflict that maybe doesn't matter. Because I'm the complete opposite of Chelsea. I tackle conflict head on, full force, freaking grab the bull by the horn, and it needs to be addressed. And it <laughs> needs to be addressed. Like I feel like if somebody's wronged then I have a duty to feel like to say something, even if I have nothing to do with it, because Uh I, I think we just flipped roles. I feel like I was maybe more like that when I was younger. I think you were. Yeah. And I think that I, yeah, it was a lot like you. Yeah. Um, I got it out of my system. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel like starting in my, maybe it was my like, 30s like early 30s because I'm still in my 30s my early 30s is whenever I um I started to like find my voice I feel like and then sometimes I feel like I find it too much and so um I definitely do not shy away from conflict because I do feel like it's healthy to have um conversations where you have to get uncomfortable and, um, I think that it's, um, uh, important that, you know, you address anything that's bothering you. I think that just like Chelsea said, I, I, I am selective mostly at, at what I'm, well, with what I will say, um, I've learned that, you know, in my years too, that it, the energy that. Everything that you address, though, is usually very well said, very well thought out before you say it. And I don't address conflict because I don't always trust my (laughs) own self when I respond. Yeah, because sometimes I can do that's I like texting because I can think before I type Mm -hmm. it. I don't like face to face because my natural instinct might take over and it's not always it's definitely hard because i see red you Mm -hmm. know like i do try to take a step back and take a breath and really look at it from the all the different angles but if i'm pretty passionate about something and i have like a very passionate opinion which you know that i do on a multitude of things but i immediately will see red and i'll have to like i'll have to go to that level but in my in my professional life, you know, I feel like I handle conflict well. 
Um, I feel like I'm not afraid of conflict. Um, what do you feel like made you that way? What do you, what gave you the confidence to like, I don't know, honestly. So I had this, so I worked with this, um, per this person, it was an, it was an older man whenever I was, um, he was, I'll say that he was, he was maybe like in his forties when I was in my early thirties as a college recruiter. And he really gave me the confidence like in myself to kind of speak what my needs were, you know, like in my job at the time, like, um, I was traveling a lot, but I was also still expected to be in the office every day. And it just, I was worn out. And finally I just like spoke up and was like, I need to be able to work from home. Like I can't, you know, go to the office at 7am and then leave there and then go do my presentations that are five or six a day and then have to go back to the office. Front desk lady was because Dance parents will hit you with crazy questions mm -hmm. at any point when you're not ready to answer them or you don't know all the information or you don't know the situation. And they usually are very emotional because it has mm -hmm. to do with their child. Yeah. And then I think early on I would try and like address it and it probably or I would vent about it or whatever would happen and it just wasn't working. So um, this lady told me always to tell people like, I hear what you're saying um, let me get back to you yeah. tomorrow. And that gives you time to process. It gives you time to find the information out, all of that. So once I started that approach and I started sharing that with teachers that I would hire, because as, as humans, or as, you know, even as women, I think it's natural for us to want to be emotionally invested in children. And when they come to you with a concern, you want to fix it. You want to help them, but you may not know the whole story. Yeah. And it's like, and then kids take their story to their parents and it may not be what happened. And then, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. But like, one thing I hate though, is that when people are like, oh, you're just being emotional. Uh -huh. And it's like, because I am a woman, that's just like the, the first thing that is uh -huh. kind of said uh -huh. is like, oh, you hate it, but is it true? No, I mean, you know, like I said, there are some times that it does come from an emotional place. But most of the time it comes from like a pretty, I mean, in my mind, valid. Um, <laughs> and it's more just about the why, you know, like I'm a why person. Mm -hmm. And so I have to know the why behind whatever it is that I'm doing. It has to make sense. And I think when, when I ask a lot of questions, sometimes people think that that's like conflict. Oh, because right. Because I could be looking at, they could be looking, looking. at it from a lens of like, she's not wanting to do what we're telling her to do Yeah, where it's not that it's just, I need to, I need to have these questions because what if I'm asked this or that, or what if, you know, there's a lot of what ifs, but I've been told that, you know, let's, let's not, you know, get into like an emotional, let's, let's not look at it from an emotional lens. And that pisses me off because I'm like, okay, I feel like that's like such a standard, you know, like, generalization so, of women if you make if it makes it makes you feel any better i definitely say that to tony often and he's on a female <laughs> but he asks a lot of questions and i don't you know because but i have always equated that to <clears throat> like an entrepreneurship mindset versus like you know 
like working for corporate right. America. Yeah. Like for me, it's just, I have the approaches. I'll figure it out as it goes. Yeah. And he has the approach. Like I need to know before I like, well, it's commit. like very process driven. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So, and so that makes sense. I've yeah. never really thought about it like that because sometimes questions, when the questions come at me, I do sometimes get defensive. Yes. Because I'm like, why are you asking me so right. many questions? Like, yeah. just do it. Like, just go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. You know, learn something maybe. Yeah. Maybe I could have te- taught you something there. <laughs> so. So one thing that we're going to kind of like pivot to is talking about like challenging times in our lives. Yeah. And so we each have, you know, we've, life has not been like easy peasy, peasy you know, like the road hasn't been just super flat. We've definitely had lots of hills, lots yeah. of mountains that we've climbed. Um, but we thought that like, you know, maybe we should talk about whether it's a challenging year mm-hmm. or just a time, which yeah. can, could be just, you know, a short amount of time, month, two yeah. months, three months, whatever. Um, so you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead. So to be expected um, for me to say a challenging time was like going through a divorce, which it wasn't really ugly. So Mm -hmm. our divorce was really amicable and we kind of did the thing together. Maybe it wasn't, you know, wanted on both ends, but nonetheless, it was done and it was pretty easy um, as far as the process goes Mm -hmm. in compared to most people that go through it. So, um, but it didn't... um, affects me daily like another um period in my life which people who are relatively close to me know or understand like the impact and or how close I get to dancers that I work with from like a young age mm-hmm. to you know 16 17 years old so you spend um lots of time with them and then um you know they they develop their own thoughts and their own reasons and their own whys and their own friendships and their own influences and you become kind of less important at some point and when you start something kind of with somebody and then you develop somebody and then you like are so like invested at all levels like that you treat them like your own child and you want to make sure their dreams come true and you want to make sure everything is happening the way they want them to. And you're doing it the best way that you know how, but it may not be the best way, mm-hmm. if you will. And so um, there was a there was a time period in my life where a group of dancers, um, but one in particular, left the studio. And um, I think... It shocked me, took me by surprise, knocked me on my butt, humbled me, um, scared me. It Every possible emotion that could happen happened and um, made me not love dance anymore, made me not want to be involved with kids anymore. It was just like too much pressure to to ultimately be, be someone who may have affected somebody in a negative way, mm, you know, yeah. like to carry that weight was too much for me. So I took a step back, you know, for three months, I had three really great people that took over the studio and I didn't even like step foot in the studio for, for three months and, um, really had to process it. I cried like every day and barely was 
functioning, I think, at that point. And um, yeah, it was just really tough. It was tough daily. I mean, um, every once in a while, things trigger it. I definitely am a different person because of it, but it's not a bad thing. I'm just a lot more um, cautious of what is truly important Mm -hmm. in like the way you impact kids, I think. So how did you like overcome that? You know, how did you come, I guess, so much time, go out, you know, go from the dark to the light. Yeah. It took so much time for me, Mm -hmm. so much time, two, three years, you know, I finally did kind of have a meeting, if you will, with the people three years later ish. And, um, it gave me some peace, but not a lot. And I think I just had to kind of really keep fighting and keep dealing with it. Every time it came up, I had to deal with it. Um, but then I just, you know, um, yeah, it's, it was just, there wasn't really a magic answer. Uh, I just tried. And the, the best thing that kept me going was the one dancer who I had since she was little stuck it out with me and she's still my number one OG Mm -hmm. Peyton is, is the one, you know? So it's like, to know that I impacted her and I love her so much. So positively always kept me going in a, in a way that like I did, I didn't do something completely wrong. It wasn't just me in this situation. So, um, and I think just the people around me, um, really helped, um, just talk me through it and let me deal with it, how I needed to deal with it. And, uh, you know, there's probably still some missing puzzle pieces out there that could be filled, but, um, well, there always are. Yeah. So that is, that is, um, you know, to step away from something that you love so much to cry every day for me to like, um, not even want to dance, not even want to feel like I could be a part of, you know, and now everybody tells me like, Oh, you should have known Chelsea Mm -hmm. seven years ago. She was so harsh. And now I'm just like very much like, Oh, you know, like I'll make you as good as I can make you without saying anything negative. And if I say something negative, I usually like sandwich it with lots of positive. Yeah. You know, that approach. And then, um, which is kind of like what they say to do anyway. Yeah. Is like you should like lead with a positive and then go into like the feedback, which is typically yeah. negative. Yeah. And then you end with a positive. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's for people who are like competitively driven, some that whole nature, like it it doesn't always motivate them. It like do they just listen to the negative? They or? either just listen to the negative or it's like they don't believe you because you're Mm. always giving information that may not always be true Mm. or it's, or it is like, um, I don't know. Like it's not valid. It's, it's invalid to the people who are truly judging them. So it's like, if, if I'm saying, Oh, it looks great. It looks great. You're doing a great job. And then they're critiqued on it by the people who are judging them. That then allows me to be the person that's lying to them. So it's like, trying to figure out who can handle that, who can't handle that, you know, and all of that. There's just like such a psychology that goes mm-hmm. with people who are competitively yeah, driven. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. 
I would say that was, you know, I ended up getting a tattoo that says heart over mind. And that was in what, 2015? Yeah. 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 I think 2016 or 17. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, that was probably a really, a really tough time that was unexpected, which made Mm -hmm. it tougher. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those, those times that you can actually, I don't know, like, I feel like the challenging times that you can see, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you don't maybe learn from. And then the ones that are unexpected. Oh, yeah. You learn the most. That's from. true. Yeah. And so, um, well, that's always such a hard thing. And I do agree with you. I think like just the psychology of like competitive people and whether you're in sports or dance or, you know, whatever, it's just crazy. I mean, both of my kids are both of my kids are competitive in different ways. Um, they both hate losing. <laughs> so, but it's interesting because anytime that they are in sports, that's not necessarily a competition to them. It's like other things. So like for my oldest, it's academics. Like mm. she wants to be the smartest, the smartest, and she wants to know the most. And if she doesn't, and she doesn't immediately know it or someone else does, then it's like, it's a big thing. And Mm. then she shuts down. Mm. And so it's like having to do some of that positive reinforcement and then just making her understand that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you had to learn how to crawl before you could walk type thing. Like you have to learn, you know, two plus two equals four before, you know, 250 times, whatever. Yeah. And so she's, and then my youngest is competitive mostly with her sister. <laughs> so, right. um, but she, she has a competitive streak too, where she wants to be the fastest. And so maybe for her sports will be. Yeah. It's thing. interesting that doesn't cross over, but I think it's just whatever matters to them more. Right. Yeah. No, like if school important. matters right, or information, whatever matters yeah. more to one and then being the most athletic matters then. Right. That's probably why. Yeah, very, very true. Okay, so that was some good unpacking there with your challenge. Yep. Um, so mine is gonna be a year. Okay. So and so the the most challenging time in my life, and I guess really the most challenging year in my life at, at this point, um, and I I really try to think about this since last episode to really make sure that it was, I would say 2019 was like a really hard year for me and my family. Um, Not only my immediate family, you know, my husband and my kids, but then also just my extended family with my, um, my parents, my brothers. So in 2019, you know, I just remember we went into that year thinking like, this is going to be such a great year. And I can't like, honestly, I can't even remember something great happened at the beginning of the year. Um, and then in the, in March of that year, I got a call from my mom while I was at work and my, one of my brothers was really, really sick. And there's a lot of backstory about him, but, um, he, you know, was an alcoholic and he had cirrhosis 
And so I just remember the call and just being like, you know, the feeling of helplessness um, because being a parent, I fully understand, you know, what my mom mm -hmm. was feeling um, that, you know, you're, you can't help your child as much as you want to. And especially whenever they're an adult, I feel like that this is a lot that I learned that lesson for sure. Um, but he was really sick and just in really bad shape in Arkansas. And so she had to go get him and bring him to Tulsa. And that just kind of started this like, you know, four or five months journey with him. And in the, you know, during this time I was like interviewing for my current job. My husband was changing. He was changing jobs too, going from education to corporate America. Um, you know, I was going from, healthcare to like, you know, utility energy sector, which is a huge shift. And so there was a lot of just like personal change and challenges with that. But then also just knowing that, you know, my brother was not going to recover from, from this. And there was a lot of time spent, you know, with him in the hospital. And um, there's a lot of time that wasn't spent with him in the hospital that, you know, I think every day that I wish I would have done. Um, and then ultimately he passed away in July of 2019. And that was just such a hard moment. You know, I've obviously lost people in my life, lost grandparents. That was always really hard and sad, but there's something about like losing a sibling and especially my brothers and I are, you know, we may not talk every day and we may, we don't see each other. You know, two of them lived in Arkansas. The other one lived in Georgia. So it's not like we, you know, are just, I don't know. We just don't see each other, but we're all very close. Um, and so whenever he passed away, it just was really, I mean, it was hard. And I think for like the, like, six months I was in this like weird fog we went to Florida two weeks after he died and it was a much needed vacation but it also just brought back just so many memories of vacations that I had traveled and gone to the beach with my brother and and so we kind of got through that part I think another hard part of it is that my husband was actually gone the week that my brother died mm. and he was out of town and um, so I had the girls by myself and that was hard, you know, cause you always want to, I think as parents, like we never want your kids, to we see don't you. ever want yeah. our kids to see the, that emotional side because it, you know, we don't, I feel like it can scare them, mm -hmm. but it's so healthy for them to see that because, you know, not everyone, you're not strong all the time. And so I had to like, really kind of put this like face on that, you know, everything was fine and like all this stuff, but it was just really hard. And then I went to, you know, we went to the funeral and which was really small, which is very small, which yeah. is what, you know, I mean, my family's very private, private in that mat in that sense. Um, and my brother is buried with, you know, in a small plot in Arkansas at our family farm. And, um, so he's, you know, with my grandparents and 
so it was a it was a beautiful ceremony it was a beautiful memorial for him but it was also just you know it was it's just hard all of it was very hard so um so was he cremated no okay so but on your grandparents farm so my grandparents let you know they have like 350 acres or something like Uh 500 acres and they have a plot of land that is their their like cemetery Hmm. um so we've got i have like great great grandparents that live or that that are there live you know live there um (laughs) that are there um, my grandfather is buried there. What's... Who buries them there? So you have to hire people to come. Yeah. So, oh. you know, you, you hire someone and they can do it. I yeah. So you just, okay. yeah. Um, huh. you know, because Brent passed away here in Tulsa, I, I definitely miss my brother immensely. I, I wish when, you know, my daughter fell off her horse last weekend I had a another breakdown in front of her at the hospital because I thought he's the only one in my family that had ever broken bones. And I wanted to be able to call him and just kind of talk to him and have him tell me it's going to be okay. He was like the best uncle, you know, and the best brother. And so it's just really hard. The moments that they're not here is what is the hardest. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I would say for any listeners that have either lost someone or going through the process of losing someone, just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It looks different. It may not be as bright as what it was before, but you will see the light at some point. Um, You will still have moments in your life and in your day and in your weeks that, you know, you can't, that it's just going to pop up and you just never know when it's going to happen, but just know that everyone is human and that the vulnerable parts of you and that piece of you is where, you know, I feel like people see you. Yeah. So for sure. I think the lesson is good too, because I take risks. I think everyone should take risks. I think people should say yes more because saying no, there's a whole lot you can't die with. And people protect things that they, you know. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's when I was like, I bet it's 2020 for you. It's because I didn't realize it was 2019 when that all happened because it's like feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. Time flies so fast. Yeah. And, you know, for Chelsea, who's known me the longest out of our friend group and who obviously knew my brother that passed away. It just, you know, I mean, it seems like it was yesterday, but then it also seems like it was so long ago. Hmm. Um, And, you know, it'll be three years in July. And his birthday is in two weeks. It would have been 41. And he's a twin. And he's a twin. So that's kind of like. That's hard. That is. You know, I think that when when he, you know. His, his twin has definitely had some issues um, and has had some some stuff. But, you know, I mean, I think that as a family unit, we've been able to push through. and Yeah. It's <clears throat> the entire story, you know, of his life is is quite um, 
Interesting. Like, mm-hmm. there could be a Netflix probably movie. Probably. On I mean, it. Because I don't feel like I even know all the things. The things I do know, I'm still in my head spin. So <laughs> I just am like. One of these days, we'll do like an episode about my brother and his crazy life and just the stuff that he's done and, you know, just all of it. But yeah, I mean, it could be like a Pam and Tommy, you know, when you think about his ex wife and. Okay, well, I didn't. I actually don't know who Pam and Tom. Oh, Tom. like um, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not sure how you remember all th- these things. Like, I don't even know what happened to them. Well, they're just kind of like a crazy couple. Okay. You know? Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I can't okay. remember actors' names, who yeah. they are, what they okay. look like. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, so um, that's a, you know relatable. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that 2019 was. For the birds, for Elizabeth. It was for the birds, and it was then, a rough one. You know, we've we've recovered uh, from twenty twenty. Um, okay, so we're gonna pivot and listen and and talk about. We have a, a listener question. Oh yeah, and I think this is a really good question. It's very actually, um, I mean, it's a it's very relatable to what we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. So the question is. With all the wisdom that we have gained in our almost 40 years, mm-hmm. what advice would you go back and give yourself at age 15, 20, 25, or any other age you want to pick? Okay. I'll start. 15. I would say don't date anybody. Okay. Don't date anyone. What does that mean? That means I I remember at 15, like, I always had a boyfriend, right? Uh-huh. And they were always long-term boyfriends. Like, I was really going to marry them, mm, you know? Yeah. And they took up so much time and so much energy and so much of my emotional and physical space that I couldn't focus on becoming me. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. want my daughter to focus on her like, her dreams, her goals, her ambition, and literally boys just take away, they don't give, they can't give back at 15. Yeah, like, there's no way they can give back at age 15. They're really mentally 10. <laughs> right. You know? That's so funny. That's so, so true. Yeah, yeah, so I'd say don't date anybody at 15 until you're, like, 25. And then um, at 25, I would say remember that there's so many options out there like the opportunities to do things are just endless and sometimes you put yourself in like this box of like what is supposed to happen Mm -hmm. at this age at this time Mm -hmm. after this happens this happens and then this happens and um just remind yourself that 25 is still really young Mm -hmm. 25 is still like okay to be figuring life out instead of thinking you had to have it all at 25. Um, And I think that's probably more of a generational thing, like more like our age. Yeah. Like now I think there's the crazy stuff going on. So people don't do that. But, um, and then what was the other age we were looking at? Any other age or? Yeah. Any other age. Yeah. Um, any other age, I would just, Say keep, never give yourself limits, but I live that way now. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Limits, I, I don't like, I don't like it when people say like. You don't like to be, like you said, you don't like to be put in a box. You don't like yeah, boundaries. I hate boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like it's just the idea of like taking risks and like mm-hmm. one day the payoff will be worth it. It may not always be worth it, but one day it will all be worth it. Yeah. And so this does that's my advice. Yeah. So I can agree with you at 15 okay. because I remember when I was 15. Yeah. You were going to get married. To I was going to get married to the person I was yep. dating at the time. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at 15, you don't even know, like you just have no idea. And so just really focus on and same thing I tell my kids, focus on what is in front of you, which to me right now is school. I want them to focus on school and I want them to focus on being a good friend and like all of that stuff. Um, and then I would say at 25, um, midlife is what they say. Well, it's, I guess it's not really midlife, but people do kind of look at that as like, you know, you're, um, you're, you're turning 25 and you know, you're, you're halfway to 50 and people kind of look at 50 as like this, you know, really pivotal moment, which it is. I mean, but 50, that's how I see 40. Yeah. Right. That's how I saw 30. Uh, I know you did (laughs) die at 30. Um, at 25, I would kind of, I guess kind of say the same thing that like, you know, it, for me at 25, I thought I would marry the person I was with that didn't happen. Um, you know, that I just feel like things get better and to always like think that, that you, you should not limit yourself on your opportunities. I definitely am one that looks at opportunities. Um, and I would have probably never done a podcast before. Like, I just, I don't know, like I try to remain, I try to be private in some way. So this is pretty, um, out there for me, but I just kind of, again, thought I want to take a risk and I want to like say yes to, um, doing something that's outside of my comfort zone. Um, and so at 25, just to be like, God, everything will be fine. Cause I remember thinking at 25, like life sucks right now. Like have so many bills. Yeah. And just like, you or know, I can't buy anything. Right. I can't afford to yeah, go anywhere. Yeah. And then I don't know, like I, you know, again, I think for me turning 40 is not, I've never looked at it like this, like bad thing. I mean, I feel like each decade that we enter or each year that we enter, I mean, a, we're lucky to even be able to, to get to see a new year and then it's new opportunities to do different things, to have more time with your family I think I think I agree with that, and I think I may have wish I would have told my like twenty nine year old self that. Yeah, because like, yeah, there's just so many things that are exciting. Yeah, I mean, at twenty, I was thinking I want to get married, I want to have kids. You know, you do have these like societal norms that are like, and these expectations of like having a kid by your, you know, when you're twenty two. And I mean, I felt like all my friends were like getting married, and um you know, people were having serious relationships. And so there was like this pressure, but I just, you know, would tell myself like, it'll come, you know, like that stuff will come and you just need to focus on yourself because if you get yourself right, and if you get yourself in a good spot and you're, you know, you're comfortable in who you are and you love yourself for who you are, then I think that's whenever all of the the good stuff comes to you. Like all of that energy that you put out will come back to you. And so I try to put out the uh, positive energy. I know sometimes I'm a, ne- a negative Nancy for sure. 
Um, but I think I, I, I believe in that and I believe in karma and I believe that everything good will come around. Um, I think you just have to wait. You have to be patient. And that's very hard for, for me for and me. I'm yeah. not a patient person. No. And um, why be patient when you can get it yourself? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. I mean, I have that, but I have to like take a step back and think yeah, like it's hard. You have to listen to the whispers too. Mm. like, you know, I, I believe that God is always going to lead you and he is going to whisper to you when there's a, you know, when you need to do something, you just have to listen. That's the hard part. Yeah. Like we're not listeners typically. So anyway, so, well, it's been a good episode. Go. Yeah. 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 Let's... I feel like you guys would learn a lot about us today. Yeah. I feel I like I learned a few things. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of good stuff. So thanks again for listening. We just want to once again, remind you to uh, make sure you like comment and share this podcast um, and also give us a review uh, and rate us five. If you like what you're hearing, any questions, and then we will put you in a drawing for that big $50 $50 Amazon gift card. card. Yeah. Yeah. Then next week we're going to have a special guest, a special guest. Just uh, find out all the secrets, find out all the secrets and (laughs) you know, um, it's going to be really exciting. So, Yeah. So, all right. Well, until next week, thanks everyone.